Andrew, welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Valle here to start off the year of 2023, our first episode of the calendar year. And we have a very packed episode starting it off here. Mitch, thank you for jo- coming back for another year of this. And uh, you're coming at it from new angles, I see. Happy New Year to you, Mitch, and everybody out there. And yes, I am coming at at it with new angles had to move the at home office into this room so i have work behind me and then also work right here in front of me to do the podcast so it's kind of easier to do this but uh you're not lying when when you say it's a new year and we have plenty to talk about because there is literally lots to talk about across all different types of sports and we're going to get into it in just a bit but first we have this upcoming All right, before we go into the rest of the program, Mitch Powell and I are here to give you the big-time sports rundown of the week. What is this? This is the scheduling for the rest of the week for BTS, whether it be our special editions of the Big Time Sports Show or a game presentation coming up to you from Stark or Tuscarawas County. Mitch, we have both stuff coming from the Stark and Tuscarawas County sides. Why don't we start off in Stark? What teams can we expect to see here on the Big Time Sports Show this week? And what game matchups will be we be looking out for in the area? And that's right, Mitch. With the holidays now behind us and the new year in front of us, these teams are going to be jumping back into league play, both in your respective area and mine. So for, starting off with the TV show this week, which is going to be airing on Thursday night at 7.30 and then Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m., you, the viewers, get to watch and listen and meet the McKinley Bulldogs boys basketball team this week. So make sure to check that out Thursday night and Saturday morning. As for the games this week, Mitch, tonight, big-time sports, the Lake Blue Streaks versus the Hoover Vikings replay time Tuesday night, 10.30 p.m., and Wednesday at 5 p.m. That's a big Federal League matchup for those two schools. And you're going to hear me say that a lot because then on Friday night, another big-time Federal League matchup. The Green Bulldogs travel to the field house and take on the McKinley Bulldogs. Replay times for that game Friday night at 11 p.m. and Saturday at 10 a.m. And that's all we have for Stark County. Now, as for Tuscarawas County, we will be featuring this Wednesday at 7 p.m. along with Friday at 10 p.m. the Dover Tornadoes boys basketball team the crimson tornadoes will be in studio with old mellow tones charlie jones as for our game presentations this week we start off with some wrestling action between dover and claymont you can find the replay of that match on tuesday at 10 30 p.m and wednesday at 5 p or at 2 p.m excuse me so that's tuesday at 10 30 and wednesday at 2 p.m now as for the basketball slate we have here on Friday, we will see the Claymont Mustangs taking on the Red Hot Strasburg Tigers. We'll see that game replay on Friday at 11 p.m. and Saturday at 2 p.m. Then on Saturday, we'll return to Strasburg to see the Tigers take on the Central Catholic Saints. The two teams have already played each other this year, a central victory at home earlier in the season. Now it's the Tigers' turn to try and even that matchup. The girls' game will be on up here it cuts off right before uh the thing here so i'll just uh list off the here we go live stream starting saturday at 1 p.m and another announcement on live streams the strasburg versus claymont boys game will live stream starting on friday uh january 6th at 7 PM. And we want to remind you guys, you can find these matchups here on your local listings. If you're in the South, that is Tuscarawas County area channel 15. And if you're in the North, then you can find it on MCT 128 and Spectrum 989. And that is our big time sports programming for the week. So Mitch, we go into the first segment of 2023. And I do wish that we had a set an opening segment that wasn't as heavy as it's going to be, but it is in response to what's happening in sports. And the biggest story in sports right now is the response to last night's Monday night game between the bills and the Bengals, a suspended game, Mitch, after a, a, a very troubling occurrence that happened in the first quarter of the contest, a hit uh, involving Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin. And he uh, 
got up initially during the play and then went down, went into cardiac arrest. It was reported, received CPR on the field and was transported to a local hospital. Now the players were visibly shaken up on the play. Both teams eventually went to the locker room and then the league decided to suspend the game. As of this recording, we have no word on if the game will be made up or if there will be a special ruling uh, after this, because Mitch, we have never seen an occurrence like this in our lifetimes, especially from a national football league contest. We've seen occurrences of players going seriously down with injury, but it, it's this one's a very unique one, unfortunately. And speaking on your behalf, obviously we wish uh, uh, Hamlet the best in, in his what's hopefully being a, a positively moving recovery. Um, but it is, it's, it's an unfortunate situation for, for everyone going on right now. I mean, you saw the response uh, just from fans and pundits alone last night. Yeah. I mean, Mitch, it's awful to be able to say that we watched this and we have never seen anything like this in a professional football game in terms of, of the occurrences that happened after DeMar Hamlin went down. Uh, we've seen players, be shaken up with injury before, but when you're talking about in quite literally a life and death situation, like we saw last night, um, it's, it's very troubling and the players were moved. And these are players that are, are trained to walk things off when it comes to injuries. I mean, you, you go back to earlier this year and somebody like Tua Tagovailoa getting hit and his head hitting the ground and him being, you know, practically paralyzed for a quick second or, you know, a couple of minutes and players are visibly upset, but they're trained to get past that. Mitch, this was a whole other level last night. That there is no training to see your player on the ground. And he was administered CPR. They used the AED, which is a defibrillator, on him to get his pulse back. He did have a pulse going to the hospital. It was troubling to watch. And then not only that, Mitch, we're in a we're in a day and age where you see everything on social media too. So if you didn't see it, odds are you were going to see it. And it's very troubling to watch. And I don't want to watch it anymore. Um, because you're talking about a 24-year-old professional athlete, Mitch, who's younger than you and I, that his life right now, although he's state or in critical condition, but his vitals are are now back to normal levels, we don't know what's going to happen. I can't imagine they're going to play this game because there is no rule when it comes to a player's life being in jeopardy. And I think that's where a lot of people are just kind of caught up in the air right now for multiple reasons. Um, we're just going to stay on a personal level instead of all the other people out there with fantasy football and betting and other things in line. That was the first time I've ever seen a full team and opposing team shaken up like that before. Um, and I've seen some pretty gruesome injuries before. I know you have too, but like I said, this isn't an injury. This is a life or death situation. And all we can do is hope and pray that DeMar Hamlin comes out of this. Um, football is not a thought for obviously that family. And I don't think it's a thought for the Buffalo Bills right now either which is why it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does here because this has never happened. Um, and you can only hope that it does never happen again. And hopefully this is the only time we ever have to talk about a situation like this because um, it was, it was disturbing and it was awful to see, but at the same time in a non-sports world, there's still a lot of good out there, Mitch, because you saw people from all across other sports, other organizations come together, hoping that this, I mean, to us, Mitch, he's a kid still because he's younger than us. Come together and just do anything they could, whether it was, you know, praying or getting in groups to pray. Or, I mean, Mitch, this is somebody that had a toy drive just last week and had asked for, I believe, 100. I don't remember what the amount was, but it is now shattered what he had asked for. As of before we started recording this podcast, he had been over $3.5 million in donations towards a toy drive. So in the realm of things, it also shows you that there's still good out there. There is still good out there with people. And these are people that have no connection to the Buffalo Bills, no connections to DeMar Hamlin. These are just people that want to try to help any way possible, even if it's not being able to be there with him right now. That's absolutely good. It's a, it's a good for the people to be able to construct something in the wake of something like this happening. And, you know, I, I, I do believe that the league made the right decision because of the, the, of what happened and the response to it, because like you mentioned, we haven't seen uh, two teams' reaction like this to a singular player before. And what I found interesting is how many of the factors went into that moment coming together. Now, obviously, the game, the in-game and out-of-game factors didn't lead to 
a an an injury and a, a health threat like this occurring. It was basically just a T Higgins catch over the middle and a tackle that was made a hit to the chest from the helmet, which was obviously I wouldn't think was was malicious or intent, but it was um it's just one of those unfortunate occurrences that happens in a sport like this where fast, big, strong players are running into each other trying to like basically knock each other down. What I found most fascinating is the scenarios that had to come together, especially in the in 21st century sports to build up what the response was and what the eventual decisions that were made. Because I've seen, I've only pretty much heard about major injuries or even death occur on a foot, on a field or a court or any sort of sporting matter. I've read up on the death of Ray Chapman, a former Cleveland Indians player who was killed uh, by a hit by pitch. The first uh, professional baseball player to die. I believe the only one to die in such an occurrence. Uh, you, you think about the hit that Chuck McNarrick laid on to Frank Gifford back in 1961, I believe that nearly killed him. That was a deep concussion that knocked him out cold and knocked him out. What seemed like into retirement and somehow Gifford was able to come back and play for a little bit. You think about, I have this book here. It's called the punch. This is a book about the punch that Kermit Washington laid onto Rudy Tomjanovich during a Rockets Lakers game in the seventies to where Tom Janovich thought the scoreboard fell on top of him. That's how hard the punch and the response was. And it's fascinating how you look at those sort of matchups and the games in those scenarios kept going, even though Mm -hmm. there were some very scary things going on in those moments. I look at the various scenarios, like the game being nationally televised last night, the, uh, the matter and the matter in which it occurred, obviously, uh, the high definition television setup to where you could clearly crystal clearly see the play and the players' responses. You can see the emotion on the players' faces uh, while they're awaiting what's going to happen, and just a number of other things. Obviously, uh, social media, the responses, be able to get you're able to get so much information out there quickly, and also so many emotional responses quickly that it's it it elicits certain kind of thoughts and feelings, I'm sure not into just the players heads, but also to fans and pundits and outside viewers like us. And I found it very fascinating to see how it's, it's such even from 10 years ago, it's such a different way that we, we process something like this. And also the, one of the um, factors was um, our, our better awareness of, of player safety and those kinds of occur- injuries happening. What was it? Uh, 10, 15 years ago, Kevin Everett, who I believe also played for the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken, was paralyzed at the start of at the in a January game. And it wasn't sure if he would ever walk again. Now, thankfully, he's been able to recover since then. But I found it very hauntingly fascinating to see how we've kind of come in a different light, uh, even in such a short time. And you're right. And I think the other part to this too, Mitch, is because of the the magnitude, and you mentioned it was a nationally televised broadcast in high definition and the world we live in with social media, there are news outlets that typically don't go to sports and report sports that are reporting on things like this, because this is something that is unprecedented. This is something we have not seen. I mean, Mitch, I'm not trying to make light of it. We are talking about somebody that did not have a pulse when they got to him on the field. We are talking about somebody they had to literally get a pulse back into before they could put him in an ambulance and drive him off. And so the EMTs that were there literally did their job. They, as of now, saved somebody's life. Um, the other side of this, though, that I don't think people ever think of is, in my opinion, it wasn't a malicious play, right? You you and I, are, I think, no. are in agreement there. It, it was a football play. It was good to see T Higgins be able to come out on Twitter because there's always another side when you're talking about a hit. And for someone like T Higgins, who was just playing football, you don't know what's going through his head to know that he hits somebody, he gets up, that guy got up next to him and then he collapses right next to him. And T Higgins has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And the second part, which I was, and maybe it's because of, of where you and I are in, in our life and what we do for work and what we want to do for work. Annoyed with the people that were complaining about the coverage of it. Mitch, there is no handbook for how to cover something like this as no. a as a TV or show host. And I thought that 
uh, Susie Colbert, Adam Schefter, and Booger McFarland did as, as well of a job as they could have when there was a lot of uncertainty, also having to stay there because the game may resume. Nobody knew because obviously this is unprecedented. Um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did about as good of a job as they could without having to touch on it and guess because they aren't medical professionals. Um, so outside of just the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, I thought the broadcast crew did about as good as they could do for something that you were never trained to have to do. I mean, this is something that you have to react to on the fly. And I thought they did about as good as a job as they could have and giving people information when they had it and, you know, so on and so forth. I think everybody in the sporting world is waiting to see what happens with DeMar Hamlin. Hopefully it's that he's awake soon um, and, and responsive uh, because this is bigger than football. It is. And you do. And we obviously, again, we, we, we cannot reiterate more or enough. I should say that we do hope that Hamlin uh, can progress more and more to the point where he does eventually end up making a recovery enough for him to just live his life. And who knows where it goes from there. So uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll try to go into some more things outside of this in sports, especially where, we where our area, Mitch, kind of became the focal point uh, that was outside of what happened in Cincinnati last night. Stay with us. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Trying them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Pinnell and Mitchell Bally here. As we go into segment two, where we're going to react to Mitch, this is we're coming off a week where we just saw a guy drop 60, 20, and 10. And last night, 
might have in some people's minds outdone that. I'm not saying 60, 20, 10 is anything to sneeze at. And there's probably still some people in the Southern part of the country that would disagree with me. But last night we saw a man drop 71 points and leap and will a team back into an overtime victory. Donovan Mitchell is him. Hemi neutron. He is him. Um, so where I was last night, Mitch, because I think that is the first part to this whole story. Okay. Because this was a, where were you when this happened type of moment? We've seen it before in all types of sports, right? Where were you when LeBron had the block? Where were you when David Tyree had the catch against the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Where were you when Donovan Mitchell dropped 71 points and was the first person to score that much since Kobe dropped 81, I believe over 14 years ago. He is now the seventh player or eighth player all time in NBA history to eclipse 70 points in a game. And this was a game that it looked like the Cleveland Cavaliers had no shot of winning at halftime with how the Chicago Bulls played. And I remember flipping it over in the fourth quarter with about five minutes left, got the notification on my phone, the Cavs had cut it to a five point game. And I thought, Oh my gosh, no way. This team was down by 18 earlier. I thought they were, they were done. No Garland, no Mobley. And I flip it over and my dad and I are watching and they said Donovan Mitchell with 55 points. The wow. Okay. This guy's going off. Well, it's a three. He's at 58. And then it comes down Mitch with four seconds left, makes the front end of a, of a free throw. And he has to miss the second one on purpose. And they have to somehow get a tip in. Yes. And Donovan Mitchell did something I had never seen before. And which is crazy because Luka Doncic just did something last week, similar to this, but the difference is, he was assisted a little bit because there was friendly fire by the New York Knicks with two guys going after the rebound and knocking the ball out of each other's hands. Last night, Donovan Mitchell missed a free throw to the right of the rim, somehow got around the people in the lane. It was able to throw it up and in and how it wasn't an and one Mitch is beyond me because there was contact. He did hit the ground. And from that point on, I just kept saying, there's no way he's going to hit this shot every time down the floor. And he continued to put it in. He was he looked like he hadn't played at all with how he was running in the court. Everybody else looked like they had cement shoes on. It was one of the coolest moments I've ever seen in my life. I, I remember where I was when I watched Kevin Love with 34 first quarter points, Kyrie with 55 against the, the trailblazers. Um, I tend to keep playoff basketball and regular season basketball separated. Um, I know Kevin Love, Mitch, after the game, tweeted his best moments in his 15-year career that he's gotten to see, and he included 2018 LeBron game one against the Warriors. That was the coolest regular season moment I have ever seen in my life watching Cavaliers basketball, and I'm willing to bet we probably don't see something like that again because it is not easy for someone to score 71 points and also account for 99 of the team's points because he also had what I believe 11 assists. So he accounted for 99 of the Cavaliers, 145 points last night. Wild. Eight, eight rebounds, 11 assists and a block. And especially on a night where you're not, you don't have Darius Garland to back you up. You don't have Evan Mobley in the lineup. You're going to have to shoulder a lot of those points. And Mitchell did that and more and more. And, and especially when you get into the overtime period where the Cavaliers prove they are one of the best in the league of that six and oh now in extra time games especially when chicago just kind of looked like they had lost their legs near the end of that game and that makes it makes tomorrow to rosen unfortunately the footnote and a 44 point game in which he went 16 of 32 from the floor it's just that one guy had a better night in this case and mitchell uh was making the rounds this morning i was able to see which is amazing to think about and it really is amazing how in half a season, this guy is fitting in so, so well from a trade like this from Utah. It, it it just makes me more excited at the fact that this team can keep growing around him and they can eventually be able to consistently match up with these uh, contenders in the East because they have beaten them this year. They've beaten the Celtics. They've beaten the Sixers. They've beaten the, the Bucks. But we can still keep going and eventually with with the way these guys are are uh, getting older and keep and they're still developing like there could be a possibility that this team at some point could be the number one team in the east and that's scary it is scary and it's not out of the realm of possibility Mitch they're two and a half games out of the number one seed they're currently at the four seed them and Milwaukee are both two and a half back, but Milwaukee, who has the head-to-head -head after beating us twice already this year compared to our one win against them, has the tiebreaker. 
this team is capable of so much, but at the same time, Mitch, this team is so young. We've seen what also is capable of happening against very good teams on certain nights. This was a massive win though, because you just beat the bulls in Chicago. They come here, they get out to a phenomenal start. I mean, they looked like they were going to run away with this game. And I think the part that we haven't even touched on yet was that Donovan Mitchell Mitchell scored 55 in the second half. He had 16 points at halftime. Yeah. Scored 55 of his points in the third, third, fourth and overtime period. He played 50 of what I believe was 55 possible minutes or 53 possible minutes. Yes. And told JB Bickerstaff in the fourth quarter, you're not taking me out. I'm, I'm going to bring us back. And he did just that. And this team now at 24 and 14, they still have this tough stretch that we've talked about for a long time now, Mitch, up until what would really be January 20th. And that's if Steph Curry's not on the Warriors, they still have a tough, tough stretch here. They play the Phoenix Suns tomorrow night at home. They have to go out West still and play the Suns. I believe they play the Jazz and the Nuggets. That was a big time win. And to do it without Al or without Mobley and without Garland and Mitch, it's seeming like it could be any day now. It's seeming like it's going to be in the month of January, but Ricky Rubio is going to be back before you know it. And I think we're at the point now where as soon as he's back and able to get off a miniature restriction, you might see a little less Donovan Mitchell just because he has played so much. I believe he's in the top five for most minutes as a player so far yeah. this season. Yes. And yes, I get we're young, but at the same time, those type of things tend to catch up to you. Right. And so Rubio might be coming back at the perfect time. And if you're JB Bickerstaff, you don't bank on Donovan Mitchell scoring 71. But what does this tell you about the night that Garland does need to sit, Mitch? It tells you you can still win without Garland. And we know this team can win without Mitchell because they did it so much last year before injuries hurt them. Right. So now you're at the spot where when Rubio comes back, this team should be able to compete when a guy does need to sit for a night, whether they have an actual injury or whether it's Donovan Mitchell has just played insane amount of minutes so far in this young season through uh, what is 38 games. Yeah. It's not even a case of, Oh, when you say, Oh, we can win without this guy. It's not even a case of like last year where we, you know, we're winning all those games or we're thinking, where does Colin Sexton fit into any of this? We know where Darius Garland can fit in this. We know where Don Mitchell can fit into this. If either of those guys need to go solo, we know that they can do it. But when you put them together, that's when it becomes so, so sweet. And even some of the guys off the bench last night, or filling in from the bench were, were solid as well. Jetty Osman continues to be one of the league's best sixth, seventh men uh, with 19 points. Kevin Love had 12 points, but 17 rebounds. That was lost in that game yes. in the numbers, Mitch, that people aren't talking about, and they need to. I know Kevin can be a little streaky at times, uh, especially late in games, but the, the rebounds especially help, and he's, the, he's that grizzled old veteran that that team needs. Well, and I think the one thing that keeps getting lost in Kevin Love and why he has not, why, why is it with Cleveland sports, especially Mitch, when a player is injured, they typically don't want to sit. We know Kevin Love is still dealing with a thumb injury. Um, so I think that is part of the reason his shooting has been a little more streaky than usual, but he still doesn't care. He's going to go out there and get you whatever he has to do to get a win. That was 17 rebounds last night and a night where Jared Allen, Mitch didn't play particularly well. I mean, he had what, eight rebounds, um, 21 but, points, eight rebounds. But, right. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that you expect to get a double double almost every night. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is no Mobley. So they were able to key in on him a little bit, but that was just awesome. I know I was texting people when it was going on last night saying Donovan Mitchell is currently going off and I'd be like 59, 63 points, 69 points. And people are going, what? There's no way. I said, yes, turn on the game right now. He's, he's literally doing something I've never seen before. And this team, Mitch beat the Milwaukee bucks over a week ago. And the Milwaukee Bucks now in their last 10 are four and six. They are starting to reel a little bit. They have fallen out of the number two seed. The Nets have got it. And obviously the Nets are streaking and look, if we're being honest, look like the best team in basketball right now. But the Cavs are playing the type of basketball we'd expect. I just wish it wasn't so streaky to a point where I think the only single loss they've had this year was on opening night. Every time they lose, they tend to lose one, two, three or more. And every time they win, they tend to go on a win streak. Yeah, that you said the Nets are have won twelve in a row going into their next matchup, which will be, I believe, tomorrow uh, yep. against Chicago. Against Chicago of all teams, so there you go. So Chicago have another tough task ahead of them, and we will have another segment ahead of us here as we go into our next batch of commercials.
The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering Certified Nail Technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care. Where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala. Mitch, I mean, we talked about the last night's game in segment one. We got that out of the way. Now we can go to some of the other games because there were other football games from this past week, and we'll get to another football game in segment four. But, uh, you know, we had a number of games, a lot of playoff clinching games in the past week. And also, I guess this would be Victory Tuesday for us. Happy Victory Tuesday because we didn't get to celebrate on Sunday or Monday, but we did have a Browns victory this week. We sure did. It is a victory Tuesday. It was a victory Monday. Um, it was a good game to actually see the Brown. Actually, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase it. It was a good second half for the Cleveland Browns. Um, they ended a team's playoff hopes, which at this point, that's what you're looking to do besides, you know, get Deshaun Watson acclimated and looking better, which Mitch Deshaun Watson looked pretty good in the second half on Sunday. And what the Browns now are doing is trying to play spoiler and they've done it now. And you have a chance to play spoiler to your biggest rival. And also, Mitch, and Mike Tomlin, his first ever losing season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday, which I know we'll preview later in the week. But mm. it was a wild day of football. And the Browns were kind of in the middle of it because they ruined the Washington Commanders' chances of making the playoffs. The, yeah, that was a weird game in that sense on Sunday because we had, saw Watson kind of recoup in the second half Amari Cooper played a big part of that getting those two touchdowns some great routes he was able to run showing those flashes of what he was able to do in Dallas and of course Donovan Peoples-Jones had one as well that Washington offensive system bringing back in Carson Wentz and him playing poorly to the point where I could clearly hear on the radio broadcast and I believe on TV the boos that were raining down at FedEx Field I'm not understanding why the commanders wouldn't just switch at that point. I don't know what 
made them so staunch about making Wentz the starter for the whole game? I don't know either. Mitch, I mean, the first drive for the commanders resulted in a Carson Wentz interception. And immediately it was booze and Heineke chants echoing throughout FedEx field. Those fans, I think, were in a spot where they weren't sure what to expect this year. And then when Carson Wentz got hurt and Taylor Heineke had the commanders playing very good football for what was about a five-week stretch, there was optimism there. And you were still in control of your own destiny. And Carson Wentz just is not a good quarterback. He's not. And I think the only reason he stayed in that game was because of the drive in the second quarter, Mitch, where they took over 11 minutes off the clock and went 96 yards, I believe, to score and take a 7-3 to lead into the halftime locker room, which was a one-yard quarterback sneak over the up and over with Carson Wentz. But yeah, if that, if that doesn't happen, I think Heineke comes in. But I think the, also, the other side to it, Mitch, was we heard in the post-game press conference, Ron Rivera did not know that they could have been eliminated on Sunday, which they ultimately then were because of their loss and a Packers win. But as the head coach of a football team, how do you not know the scenarios your team is in? Well, yeah, if they if they had just lost on their own and all the other stuff hadn't happened, that would have been one thing. But it's because the Lions and the Packers both got those victories that Washington is no longer in contention. So that's that's a bit of a slip up there. But I can kind of see how it's not a completely direct elimination if you lose. So maybe there's just something there. But either way, it's not a great look. And what also isn't a great look is that I nearly went to, to your side in the first half when I saw a man get three points for his team and then decided on after a penalty to decide to, to risk it for the biscuit as, as, as it's commonly referred to uh, the biscuit was completely spoiled, dry cracked when, when Kevin Stefanski decides to run on, what was it? Fourth and goal goal from the four, I believe QB sneaks straight up. Also I'm not shotgun from the shotgun. I'm not really seeing where that's going, but the second half, you did see a number of adjustments from the team, and I can give him credit. I can give Stefanski credit for that. I still think there's an effort to be made Sunday that can put Browns fans in better graces, in good graces, if you're able to do all that stuff against Pittsburgh, and which after they beat the Ravens this week, I they're going to be giving it 110, 100% now because there's stuff to play for even though I don't think it's going to be like this amazing Steelers playoff run to the Super Bowl if they make it. Oh, and I still think the Steelers have to win and get help somewhere else, if I'm not mistaken. I might be a winner get in scenario. I'm not the playoff picture now, Mitch. There's only a few things I know. There is no number one seed clinched yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that in the AFC is obviously because of the game last night with the Bills and Bengals that's been suspended. It is a win. And you're the number one seed in the NFC with the Eagles. They win this week over, I believe they played the Giants. They get the number one seed. If they lose and the Cowboys win, the Cowboys get the one seed, which would be crazy because for up until this point, Mitch, the Eagles looked like they were going to run away with the one seed in the NFC. Um, And then the only other things that are finalized is the four seed not being able to hop up to a three seed, if that makes sense. So both South divisions are going to be the representative four seeds in the playoffs. The AFC South will be determined on Saturday night. The Titans yeah. and Jaguars, winner take all, winner gets a home playoff game. It will be the four seed. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the NFC South this past weekend, and they are the four seed. They will host the five seed in round one of Wild Card Weekend. That's basically all we know. If the Eagles were to lose and the Cowboys were to lose, the Vikings and Niners have a shot to get the one seed still. Uh, the AFC, obviously, I, it's too clouded there because of things going on, so we won't guess there but you really only have a couple things figured out in terms of seeds and you have winners winner get in scenarios this week again with the packers and lions you're talking about something like that now the dolphins mitch are on the outside looking in right now they could still get in but it's going to be hard because it looks like mike mcdaniel has already ruled out Tua will not be part of the quarterback equation for the finale which is the choice that is the right choice. This is somebody that's had his third concussion now this season. He should not return like, to the field at all this year if if they even make the playoffs. Uh, the Jets are done now. The Patriots are in a win, or get in, win and get in scenario. If they beat the Bills this upcoming weekend, I mean, there's a lot that we're going to have to break down. But there was also a team that because the Browns won, 
is in the win and get in scenario in the Packers, Mitch. Are you a believer in the Green Bay Packers after they dismantled the Minnesota Vikings at Lambeau Field on Sunday? Look, even as I sit here, a fan of man Dan Campbell and his Lions team, that is such a tall task to go into Green Bay and walk out in a bit. I don't care if it's September or, or January. That's such a hard thing to do. And it's Aaron Rodgers with, with it all on the line that I would be more comfortable taking that no matter what the backers record is than I would for Detroit right now. But Hey, if they, if they prove me wrong on Sunday, great. I would love to see Detroit uh, be able to make a playoff spot here, but yeah, that's going to be very, very tricky. And even, and even then it's not guaranteed because Seattle would win the tiebreaker over Detroit based on head to head win percentage. So all Seattle needs to do this week is beat the Rams, which that's possible. And you mentioned some of the stuff in the AFC. It is mainly cloudy, mostly towards the top, because I uh, we still don't know uh, what's going to be, be between two and three in Buffalo and Cincinnati. Now, below that, Miami would win the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh based on the head-to-head win percentage, and the Patriots would win the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh based on head-to-head, and that division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Miami, And New England would beat Miami based on win percentage in in division games. So New England right now, like you mentioned, they're kind of on the inside trying to keep everybody out. Just win this week against a Jets team that's pretty much packed it in. Uh, That is is very possible, but who knows what New England's offense can do. And you just look at that NFC South where Brady is able to make another run, another comeback victory for him. Where does this team go from here? Because I would much take more stock in, to me, I would take more stock in the Buccaneers winning their wild card game than I would take the AFC South winner in Tennessee or Jacksonville. Absolutely, because the AFC South winner, as it looks like right now, would host the Chargers or potentially the Baltimore Ravens, Mitch, which I think anybody out there knows that those teams are better than either what could be the Jaguars or Titans. And... I hate that we're having this conversation. I really do because I just am so sick and tired of the Buccaneers and sick and tired of Tom Brady with how they played in that second half Sunday, Mitch. Am I going to be shocked now if they win the first playoff game? No, I'm not. Especially if they play the Cowboys, a team that Tom Brady has never lost to in his career. I am not going to be shocked one bit. If that is the matchup and it's the Dallas Cowboys on the road in Tampa, I will not be shocked Mm. at all. And in fact, I might sit here and pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because I've seen this story way too many times before. And I really, I really, I picked them last week. I picked the Panthers to win. I thought I was there, Mitch. They were up leading that game in the fourth quarter. And then Tom Brady and Mike Evans struck. And it was what we were so accustomed to seeing with Tom Brady and his top wide receivers or targets in New England. And then early on in Tampa. And it struck in week 17. And all that matters is you get in and you're playing your best football now. And that's why the Buccaneers, to me, are a scary team still. And that's why if the Packers get in, Mitch, and as it sits right now, play the Minnesota Vikings in round one, I would take the Packers because I don't know how the Vikings get over that mentally after what just happened this past Sunday. I, w- I would argue that Dallas get somehow grabbing that one seat from Philadelphia would be the – I mean, it's obviously the best thing for them, but it's the one thing that could legitimize, legit, legitimize them as an NFC contender – because they don't play well on regular surface compared to their turf. Um, now, of course, you could play someone else in, in the, the playoffs turf, but that's a whole other thing compared to having to go to Tampa Bay and ba- basically beat Brady in his home stadium. But then again, you have to have Minnesota lose to the Bears. You'd have to have San Francisco lose to the Cardinals. And I don't think I see either of those happening in week 17, unless one of these teams takes a, takes an off week to just – try and keep keep some of their players reserved but i don't know if that's going to happen either way so as we go now into our final segment here we'll be going into other topics as we close out the show we'll be back right after this hey there folks this is mitch spinell and i want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988 if you don't know what 988 
is it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical fire or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our Van Can assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Fidel, Mitchell Bala. Mitch, it's time to talk about it. It's time to talk about arguably the greatest weekend in college football playoff history. We have our two matchups. Uh, we have our two teams in the matchup for this coming Monday's championship. Not this, well, yeah, it would be this coming Monday. It will be down to TCU and Georgia, the matchup that everybody expected after this weekend. So the Horn Frogs are able to beat Michigan and the Bulldogs are able to beat Ohio State. So it is a bit of a disappointing end for Buckeye fans, obviously, with the way that game ended. You definitely feel for Noah Ruggles, a guy who has been very, very consistent throughout the season, has had a very uh, good leg, made a 48-yard, I believe, earlier on in the game. And when it just came down to it, that's a tough kick to make, no matter the situation. And it just comes down to a team that was just barely outdone. I don't think this is a game that necessarily Ohio State lost. I think Georgia did everything they could to earn their second consecutive championship appearance. And before I get into the game, Mitch, I'm going to start here. The committee got it right. The committee got the four best teams in college football in the college football playoff. Maybe. This was the first time in how many years that neither game was a blowout or a game where you shut it off and say, oh, this is over. I'm going to go yeah. enjoy New Year's Eve with my family before the next game comes on. These were on the edge of your seat. Every play could be a big play football games that you saw one upset happen. And then you almost saw another upset happen with our Buckeyes knocking off the defending national champs and where to start. I'll start and give CJ Stroud his, his flowers. Uh, he played the best game he's ever played as an Ohio state Buckeye 22 of 34, 348 yards, four touchdowns, no picks and Mitch 12 carries for 34 yards. 
he was at negative 18 yards in the first half. So that lets you know how much he actually used his legs as oh, yeah. the game went on. He had a run of 27 yards at one point. He played his best game, and not only that, against the best defense in the country. I mean, he was he looked like the surefire number one pick in the draft. Now I know obviously everyone thinks it's Bryce Young and Bryce Young had had a tremendous career and had a phenomenal bowl game as well. But CJ Stroud left everything out there in the field. Um, I know we've talked about it before. He never beat Michigan, no big 10 titles and now no national championship. That's going to be the lasting memory Ohio state fans have of him. And that's going to be a great one because he did everything he could to put the team in a spot to win Mitch. And ultimately the game changed when Marvin Harrison jr. Left with, yep. you know, cushion like symptoms or just out of precaution along that hit in the back of the end zone. That game changed there. Losing Marvin Harrison Jr. Losing, you're already being down, no Travion Henderson, then losing Mayan Williams, losing Stover, who had one catch before he had to be rushed to the hospital for back spasms. This was a depleted Ohio State team that hung in there with the number one team in the country and gave Georgia all they could handle. And you even heard Kirby Smart say it afterwards. That was the best team they played all year. That was a team that, you know, gave them everything they could handle. Stetson Bennett played well. He really did. You know, he's not a guy that you and I think we're both in agreeing with each other that he was never going to win the Heisman. Um, thought maybe he should even, even have been there. 398 yards passing, three touchdowns, one pick. Ohio State did everything they could with a team that defensively struggled in big times this year, and you saw one big play kill Ohio State uh, with a, if you're a Browns fan, it seemed very familiar with somebody wide open down the field. But I feel for Noah Ruggles, C.J. Stroud did everything he could. This Buckeyes team was good enough to be in the college football playoff. I think they put all the doubters to bed. Um, and not happy with the result, but I am happy with how they played, Mitch, because they would have got blown out. I could have sat here and said, you know what? Maybe we weren't good. Georgia yeah. is legit. It does hurt because you were right there. Um, yeah. Ryan, too. Ryan Day called a phenomenal game. I think the only thing you can say with him was the last drive. But really, yeah. Mitch, the last drive is so tough because you only have so much time. You have to use the timeouts correctly. You have a target mark set of where you have to get for no ruggles. And I think Kirby smart calling a timeout to freeze ruggles was honestly the difference because it just kind of seemed like that's what was the difference maker. It looked like ruggles got in his own head and uh, it's tough because as a kicker, that's what everybody's going to look at and blame it on. But there were so many different turning points in this game. Momentum wise, um, Ohio state only scoring three points in the fourth quarter, obviously does not help uh, compared to Georgia's 18, but, all in all, a very strong showing from Ohio State. And all in all, I knew it was coming from Michigan. You knew it was coming from Michigan. See, I didn't I I, I anticipated them moving on almost handily, especially with the way TCU had a couple of mistakes in that game. I'm like, okay, they're gonna get get over it. They're gonna do it. It's gonna happen. And then it just never did. And mm -hmm. TCU ended up making some key plays, and Michigan made some key errors. Yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be nice today, Mitch. It's a new year, new me. I'm, I'm going to be nice today. Michigan to me was the team that was anointed already going to the national championship with how media portrayed them and talked yeah. about them. And TCU was a team that was unranked before the season started and it proved the doubters wrong all year. So this was just another spot for them to thrive. And all week you heard about all oh, the big 10 is big, tough. They hit hard. They tackle. And you heard TCU afterwards say, we heard that. We heard it all week long and we knew what we had to do and they did it. And I won't get into too much Jim Harbaugh, but this is now Michigan's Michigan is now one in six in their last seven bowl games, or I'm sorry, Oh, and six in their last six bowl games under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, there is no seventh because obviously 2020 Michigan did not become bowl eligible for the college football playoff. And it makes you wonder is as much as, Praises he's gotten, Mitch, for beating Ohio State now two years around two Big Ten championships. Is this man going to leave for the NFL, which obviously is a whole other story here, probably starting next week. But um, I did tell you in the podcast I was taking TCU, and I, I felt confident with them. It's the fact, it's the manner of which they won that kind of surprised me. Um, but both games were phenomenal. And if Ohio State wasn't going to win it, I'm sure as hell happy to see that Michigan could even get there. That was my consolation, too. Like, even before the night game, I thought to myself, okay, we got that out of the way. It could go either way for me, and I'd be like, all right. But, uh, yeah, I, I still expect Georgia to I, – I know I give TCU a lot of credit. They did what they had to do. I still think TCU is winning by at least two touchdowns on Monday. And that's – and that's that, that may not be it. 
but that's the way I see it. I, I think Georgia wins this handily too. And that's no slight at TCU. I just think they are the best team in the country. Yeah. Um, generally you see a team in a lot of sports, Mitch get battle tested have a very, very, very close game. And if they squeak by, that's generally what people would say their championship game. And I do anticipate Georgia winning this by the spread, which is now out of 13 and a half. Um, but I am pulling for TCU. I yeah. love Mac Duggan. He is a great kid to root for. Uh, Sonny Dykes there is just an awesome person to root for. And just, I don't know if you were watching the game when they did the comparison of TCU to Michigan in terms of enrollment and this football stadium size and the population size. I mean, you're talking about a stadium at TCU. I believe it was 12. Or I'm sorry. The population for undergrad was 12,500 at TCU and Michigan. It's insane. Michigan has one of, if not the biggest college football stadium in the country that holds over 107,000 people. TCU's I think was like 30,000. Um, it was crazy to see the disparity in sizes of schools and to see the underdog come back out on top and just to have a competitive college football playoff match. That's what I took away from it. I sulked for a second as an Ohio state fan. I sat there then and said, the committee got it right. I, I, I won't listen to anybody arguing that they didn't because everybody in my, from what I heard, I think expected Georgia to roll Ohio State. Ohio State should have never been there. Michigan was going to roll TCU, who should have never been there. And on the flip side, Georgia was given all they could handle, and TCU showed that they absolutely deserve to be in the college football playoff. And now they're playing for national championship, and I'm excited to watch them. Me too. Me too. We shall see what happens this coming Monday out in Los Angeles. And now we go over now to our final segment where we talk about high school uh, sports that are going on. Uh, Stark County and Tuscarawas County right now has a lot of stuff going on in the area. Mitch, you mentioned uh, we have a setup here in Stark County uh, involving an updated picture of where the teams currently sit. So we'll start with boys basketball right now. The top team in Stark County, and Mitch, we put out rankings a couple weeks ago on social media for the top teams in Stark, as well as Tusk and uh, West Holmes, I believe. Glen Oak, obviously, is the number one team in Stark County. They're 8-0. All the teams up here, though, now, Mitch, they enter what is literally a gauntlet in terms of Federal League play. You look at teams across the way. Tonight, we have Jackson going to Glen Oak. Glen Oak is 8-0. Jackson on the outside, looking in when you're ranking the top teams in Stark County, according to some media outlets up here, including the paper. Can Jackson knock off Glen Oak, or is Glen Oak going to sit here and continue to flex their muscles and prove that they are one of the top teams, if not the best team in Stark County? They're 8-0. You know, what's next? You look at a team like Louisville, Mitch, a team that we have not talked about a lot. 9-2. and two. They are probably playing the best basketball out of anybody in Stark County outside of Glen Oak, who has not lost yet. Uh, Will Aljancic, Hayden... Uh, Negro, I mean, they've ripped off nine straight victories, including one against Menor. Menor is a very tough basketball team. So they've done that, and they're phenomenal. And then Kent McKinley, a team that you can see on big-time sports this week on the TV show on Wednesday night, uh, or I'm sorry, Thursday and Saturday, or Friday night when they play the Green Bulldogs, or Mitch, looking ahead next week, they will be back on the big-time sports broadcast when they travel to Jackson. They play green. Green is a team at six and two. They lost two of their first three games. Here they are now six and two lakes, four and five. They're still much alive, but Jackson, Glen Oak, McKinley, Green, and Hoover, all five of those teams play each other here in the next two weeks, at least three of the four teams outside of themselves. You look at Jackson, everything to win the federal league is right in front of them. They go to Glen Oak tonight. They then come home and play Perry play McKinley, and then go to Green, a team they beat the first game of the season in Federal League play. On the flip side, Glen Oak has the same thing. Glen Oak tonight has Jackson. Glen Oak then plays what I believe is Perry, and then they have McKinley, and then or Green, and then McKinley. I mean, these teams are going, we're going to get a really good sense here in two weeks about what these Federal League teams look like, but the Central Catholic Crusaders, 5-2, and two, they started off 5-0, and oh, they've lost two in a row, but Mitch, this is a team that deserves some respect. Some people need to start talking about them. Uh, led, led by Dylan Rouse, they have looked like, what if people sit around here, a typical Central Catholic team, which generally means they're going to be one tough basketball team to beat in general and a team you don't want to see in the playoffs. And why that gets interesting, St. Thomas Aquinas coming in right behind them at number three in the power rankings in terms of Division two and below. That is their rival. We're talking about two rivals here that when they play in football and basketball, it gets interesting. St. Thomas Aquinas is a team that lost in the regional final last year, and they are more than capable 
of making another run for the division three state championship here this season. They are very, very tough. And then in their backyards Alliance, Mitch, I'm not going to take too much more time because I know how great basketball is in Tusk, but we are in a spot now where we might have to start talking high school basketball for two segments, because that's how things are going to get. And not only the boys, but the girls as well, but we'll stick to boys right now. Oh, for sure. And on the boys' side in Tuscarawas County, Malvern is the talk of the town right now. Malvern is 9-0 and on the season, 6-0 and in the IVC North. Now, their last game came uh, – uh, one of their last games came with that huge victory over Strasburg right before the break, 68-49. Now, as part of their Tuesday slate, they get back in action against – Maysville visiting Maysville. So we'll see where it goes there. Bugeye Trail and Strasburg are right behind them in the north. Bugeye Trail is six and three, three and one overall. And they were able to get pick up a victory over Strasburg recently. Now, Strasburg had a bit of a slide here in the last couple of weeks. They're coming off recently a holiday showcase loss out in Toronto to Patriot Prep. Uh, but they are currently seven and three, three and two overall. Now, as for the south, Garraway suffered their first loss on the season very recently. Uh, and they are six and one on the year five and one in the IVC. Sandy Valley is at seven and two, four and one in the IVC North. And then Tusky Valley is six and three, two and two Highlands also two and two, but they're five and five overall in the standings. I mean, I'll briefly mention the girls central Catholic of Tuscaroras, uh, who we can see play this Saturday on live stream against the Tigers of Strasburg. They are seven and two, six and oh in the North Strasburg five and one. That one loss came a couple weeks ago in new Philadelphia to TCC, but Strasburg otherwise has been rock solid 10 and one on the year. And in the South Highlands, seven and three, six and oh in, in the conference, Tusky Valley, eight and one, four and oh in the conference. And so before we get out of here, we do want to bring up some news that just broke across both of our tables. Uh, this is from Tom Pelissero of the NFL uh, network after speaking with both teams and NFL players union leadership, NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell has informed uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo bills today that their game will not be resumed this week. Now the NFL has made no decision regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date. This is tricky, Mitch. We only have one regular season week left before we go into the playoffs and usually we just go into the postseason right the next following week. So there's no gap week in between. I don't believe that they can make up. Does it make more sense for the game to just be ended in a tie or just a, uh, a no contest. So they will have one that, that doesn't seem right to me that last part, because that'd be one game less than their counterparts who are still chasing for a spot in the, uh, in the AFC standings. And I think that's the hard part here, Mitch. I don't based off reading that, I don't know if you can really go off this upcoming weekend's results to determine if you're going to play this game or not. I don't, I'm not sure that's fair in, in all honesty. Um, I do think this is a game that's going to end in a tie. I think the NFL is going to have to do that because you mentioned what, what are they going to do? There's a potential that the bills win and get the number one seed if this game resumes mm -hmm. and get a buy where the Bengals then, if they play this game next week would have to turn around and play what three to five days, depending on what day they play. Yeah. Unless the NFL is going to start pushing things back, which is a possibility. We know they did it in 2020 with, with COVID and everything. They don't like to do that, especially when you're talking no. about wild card weekend. Yeah. Playoff um, games. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think this game gets played. I think what's going to happen is it'll end a tie. I just don't know if they want to announce that yet with the season with games still meaning something for everybody in the NFL for the most part this weekend and a team like the chiefs who are still looking to get the number one seed, Mitch, but ultimately, if the Bills play this weekend against the Patriots and win and then are given a tie, they would still get the number one seed, both with the head-to-head -head over the Chiefs and just having one less loss with that tie being created. It's it's hard. We mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is something we've never seen before. Um, nobody, Somebody is not going to be happy with the result, but at the same time, it's it's bigger than that, like we've said. And it's I'm just happy the NFL came out and said it's not going to be played this week, and they'll think about and try to figure out when it's going to be played. My guess is it won't be played. I could also see the players union too. Um, maybe I don't even know. If, I, I, this is based on my speculation. I have no report or a, a direct contact in on this, but I could see the players union arguing for 
giving the players as much time as it would be possible until the next game to try and settle down from what happened last night so that is all we have here on the big time sports podcast show just want to remind you guys before we leave that you can find us here on youtube be sure to like subscribe at the bell as well as our podcast platforms apple Podcasts, spotify and soundcloud you can also go to our website bigtimesportsohio.com you can find our latest articles and videos there you can also go to facebook or instagram big time sports ohio both of those pages names and on twitter at bts Ohio and everywhere on, on social media at Mitch Spinell at Mitchell Bala. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Mitch, your fact of the day is I know a lot of viewers out there have probably heard of the show Phineas and Ferb where they have a pet pet platypus. Yes. The platypus is a real animal. Does not have a stomach at all. Their esophagus goes straight to their intestines. There's your fun fact of the day. How do, how do they process food then? I don't know. I don't even know what platypus eat. I don't want to, I don't want to know that fact. I don't want to know that fact. I want to sign off here. I want to thank you guys for listening or watching the big time sports podcast show.